evening, everybody. Welcome to week two of Sundays with Shortland, your weekly Q&A. Um, just for any questions you have, uh, I'll answer questions, lingering questions, uh, anything you wish or you, you wish you'd asked in the class or didn't get the opportunity to. So this week we have three really interesting questions um, from, from, from you, the, the students, um, that I'm, I'm going to just jump into. Won't be too long, a couple minutes on each, um, but I'm, you know, the more of these the merrier and... Uh, Always happy to answer any questions. So the first one's really interesting. It's really simple. I, I, I enjoy being able to do these. Uh, it's basically what are the letters of the profiling equation? And sometimes I can teach things and, and rock it through them so quickly that I just probably forget that I covered, didn't even cover the bare basics. So for anyone who just needs that, simple reminder. A, that line, C. And if you want, you can put an optional kind of I above, right? So A, actions. The actions of the offender that are known at the crime scene. Right? Line C. Characteristics of the offender. Now, these characteristics can be anything. They can be age, gender, social economic status. They can be psychological, personality-based, previous convictions, relation with the offender. Anything about the offender. Right? So, actions at the scene, known actions at the crime scene, and characteristics of the offender themselves. And then there's that line, and then above it is an I. Now that's not part of the, that's not part of the formal profiling equation, but that I stands for inference. And so what that means is that you don't know the characteristics. You infer them, right? So to give you an example, right, let me tell you, let me give you a, a, a example of uh, two people. Right. One of those people is a paediatrician, so a, a doctor that cares for very small children. They are male. They are 33 years old. Right. The other is a Wall Street banker. They are male and they are 33 years old. Right. What do we know about them? We know career. We know um, gender and we know age. Now, here's the question. What can we infer about them, right? Not known, but where, what, what can we, but, but, but theories we come up with about those people, right? We can infer that both are intelligent. We can infer, and I'm, I'm going to, to, to purposefully go stereotypically here, but you can infer that the paediatrician is kind-hearted, caring, good with children, uh, a family person, um, did well in school, uh, earns, earns relatively well, and, you know, you know, probably is married with kids. Right, right. That's all an inference. I don't know any of those things, but based on the, the few actions or things that I know, and literally the action in this sense is just their job is a paediatrician. I'm I'm making a series of assumptions about that person based on the evidence. Well, my Wall Street banker maybe uh, lives a <laughs> single, lives in a high-rise apartment in, in New York, uh, immense amounts of money, basically is uh, Christian Bale in American Psycho, wears all of the people's glasses, uh, and, 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 you know, and, and, and is a psychopath, right? You know, like... That's again, that's the same process, right? I know two little things, but I've created completely different visions of who they are based on two snapshots of behaviour. And it's exactly the same thing when it comes to profiling. So I'll give you two murders. One is 
um, completely unorganized in a in a in a in a in a parking lot at two p.m. and they're hit with a jack iron. I don't even know if a jack iron's a thing. And the other is in a stately home and the person's being poisoned. Right? Just two ra two random behaviors there. From that, you infer different worlds of what happened and who the offender is and what it is about them. And that's the thing with profiling that's really at the heart of this lecture. It's at the heart of what you'll see on Monday. It's the heart of what we'll talk about on Thursday. It's that inference is in theory unbridled creativity and, and kind of storytelling. So how do you do that while being in, but while being scientific and accurate, right? And that's where the kind of the, I guess, the, the questions around how far can profiling go, where do they come from? And I promise you, you will see that in, in the lecture that I launch tomorrow. Um, so yeah, so A, actions. C, characteristics. We get there via a process of inference. And to just put a, put a whole line under it, the whole thing is based on the assumption that characteristics, C, cause our actions. And that's what we discussed on Thursday's lecture, which is those two assumptions, right? Consistency and homology. So the idea that people are consistent in their behaviours, because their characteristics are, and the idea that people who do similar behaviours have similar characteristics. Right? But all you need to take, A, C. And there's your profiling equation. Actually, I'm going to add to that. A, C, there's your profiling equation. Hidden profiling equation, E. E for environment. And E has an invisible effect on actions that we don't know how much it is when we are only looking at the actions. And that's where the complexities come from, okay? So I hope that cleared it up. And if it, if it didn't, Submit the same question next week and I'll, happy, I'll, I'll happily answer it again. Right, the next question. The third question is going to be my favourite for a while. Okay, for those who start their career in profiling, how do they develop their gut feeling? Clearly you can't be right every time, even for those who've done profiling their whole career, but they have to have patterns and such. That's a really good question. It's about, I guess, so I, I'm, 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 I, the essence of this question is about, I guess, the developing of a gut feeling. And, and in the next question, I'll talk about a gut feeling I had. Um, it's basically experience. Now, if you study uh, experts in decision-making, one of the things that you learn is that experts pick up patterns. So when they perceive situations, they pick up patterns quicker than other people. Now, a guy called Gary Klein, and we'll talk about this probably in our decision-making lecture, a guy called Gary Klein has this theory that he basically calls recognition prime decision-making. Right, which is you, you see a situation, you run it through your back catalogue of situations and you find one that's similar and you say, right, what happened there? OK, that happened there. That'll happen here. And uh, other people have called it kind of analogical decision making. But, but it's all this process of of seeing something and and kind of knowing, drawing on what you've experienced before to help you understand. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Right. Uh, let's say you have a dog. I have a dog, but let's say you have a dog. Uh, and that dog, 
you just think they need to go outside. Now maybe they have a specific behavioural tell that tells you you have to go outside, but, but, but maybe this time you just, you just get the feeling, a gut feeling if you will, that they need to go outside to use the bathroom. What that probably is, is you are detecting a range of abnormal cues that you've seen in the past that you've strung together to create the, I think they need to go out hypothesis. That might actually be one of the worst analogies. I think I've ever done. But in terms of a gut feeling, if a gut feeling is kind of a, uh, an instant reaction or an instant hypothesis, most likely it's going to come from experience and experience over time. And that's something that you see in the, in the criminal investigative approach. The second part of the question, I see is really interesting, about not being right across your whole career. Now, in theory, in theory, we would update our theories as we go through time. So we'll keep a record, either like a physical record or a mental record, of all of the times that we are right and all of the times that we are wrong. And if one thing that we, if one thing is consistently wrong, we will update that rule. The problem in reality is that very, very often we ignore the times we were wrong and favour the times that we were right. So let's say you, all right, we'll go with the, I'll go with a quick sports analogy. So I apologise to anyone who hates sports, but I just, for some bizarre reason this month, I find them really easy to do. Uh, imagine you have the, what is it? The uh, teams can't travel west, right? So, so this, this general hypothesis, teams can't travel west. So whenever a team from the east flies to the west and plays, I'm going to bet against them because I just don't think they travel west, right? Let's say I do it a hundred times. And I'm, I'm, I'm right, I'm wrong 70 times. I might still think that I'm right because I remember the 30 times I was right more than I remember the 70 times I was wrong. Now, that is just a human tendency. It's, this, it's why when we ingrain and we learn rules, they're really hard to undo because we kind of only pay attention when we're right and we ignore all of the times that we were wrong. But the wider answer to this question in terms of a, like the study of, of profiling as an expertise, there's a paper, and I think I'm going to bring it up on Thursday's lecture, and I'm going to get both of the next words wrong, which is really fantastic. Um, but it, it, oh no, I'm not. It, it, it's a paper and it's called Grand Falloons and Gobbledygook. And a grand falloon is the idea, is the existence of something that doesn't really exist. And gobbledygook is that the, the contents is basically gobbledygook. It's poorly written. A grand falloon is kind of this idea of does the skill of profiling exist? So for the skill of profiling to exist, there has to be people who are better at it than other people. And so there's a really interesting little body of research, it's very, very small, that actually studies if people who declare themselves profilers are better at profiling than other types of people. And they find that it's a little bit iffy. So in terms of how people get develop the skill of profiling and how that profiling skill gets better over time, no one has studied it. Like, like I'm telling you, no one has ever studied if a profiler gets better over time. No one has ever studied where a profiler develops their skills or their feelings and how they are accurate. We've looked at the different ways in which we can kind of think about it, and I talked about those in week one. But the reason is, and this almost kind of comes to the next question, the reason is 
there are so few, if you will, stereotypical profilers, and those that there are don't want to be studied because what if you show that they don't exist? And that's one of the things that you see in the in the Grand Falloons and Gobbledygook paper that I'll talk about on Thursday. I'm going to have to now. I've mentioned it three times. Is that the that that when they study them, the findings aren't particularly positive. So there's no incentive for people who call themselves profilers to want to be studied because it only seems to give bad news. So it, it's tough to answer the question without kind of going to basically just human learning and human behavior. But gut feelings, usually, if they're driven by subconscious, it's basically subconscious sense making and picking up cues, which leads you to kind of draw on previous experience and kind of uh, come up with a thought and that can actually happen subconsciously because our subconscious does so much of our our kind of processing so it, it, it's looking at everything in the situation and it's it's making predictions based on what we've experienced in the past and how that how they get better over time no one's tested it but it's a really good question it's a really good question okay the final one have i ever profiled a case that's a good one have I ever profiled a case? Uh, the formal answer is like, no, like, no. Have I ever been bought into, have I ever been called up by a senior investigative officer uh, saying, look, I've got this unsolved murder and I could really do with your psychological advice? Um, no, I haven't. And, and the reason for that, I would say, is that one, they've moved away from that business model. Uh, two, they've moved away from it towards a statistical model which is done by researchers either internally, so the FBI has an amazing team of, 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 of forensic psychologist researchers constantly doing research for them to kind of provide support to the kind of high value crimes that they study. Uh, or, you know, they have, um, I mean, you, you'll all know they have crime analysts and all these kind of stuff. So this idea of profiling is far less clinical now and far more statistical. Now, have I conducted research? that would realistically be interpreted as linking actions to characteristics. Yes, I've done it for the Department of Homeland Security. Um, and I've done some, uh, some, some, some similar work for the kind of the UK police. So I would say I've done elements that, that try and do, I guess, that, that would do what the modern version of profiling, but not on the, I'm called to a, I'm called to a case and I walk through the door in my, in my long overcoat and I, I start touching things. Uh, no, that one, that one doesn't uh, happen. I, I have done, um, I've been involved in the post arrest phase where you would in theory do the inverse of profiling. Um, the only time I can tell you I would say I ever dipped a toe in the realm of profiling was one of the cases that we're gonna look at um, later on in the semester is a interpersonal homicide that was convicted by someone called Elliot Turner in the United Kingdom. And he, he murdered his girlfriend. And we, my family knew Elliot Turner. We knew him well. Um, and when I, when I heard from my brother that Elliot Turner had, had murdered his girlfriend, I immediately said on the spot exactly what I thought had done, like exactly what the mind, like the mindset, the situation, the moment, and kind of the entire um, situation that led to the murder. I said, I guarantee you this. He's an absolute narcissist. She basically, she basically dumped him and shattered his narcissistic illusion. He was probably drunk and probably on a lot more because he's a super rich kid who does drugs. 
and therefore he couldn't control his impulses and he couldn't control the rejection. And I guarantee you, he just murdered her on the spot. Uh, and look, we'll get we'll get into a debate. Uh, I think it's in week week eight or nine we debate it, and and you can tell me if my profile was right. But that's the one time that kind of like jumps to my mind that I was immediately creating the characteristics based on a on a couple snippets of information that I had. So the model, I think the the Hollywood vision of what profiling is, I don't think that's even there anymore. But I would say that the modern way that it's done through good research and uh, kind of the more statistical, long term scientific approach, I'm, I'm absolutely involved in. So thanks for the question. I, I, I really enjoyed it. But the one thing I would say is that the which is interesting is that while the the long term research side, you know, it, it doesn't seem as 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 case specific as profiling. In the legal realm, you 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 work on on specific cases, which almost feels feels like profiling to the fact that you are looking at one individual and this one specific crime and you must apply your expertise to it. So from that sense, I do a lot of um, of league of, of criminal cases, but in the courtroom, not in the in the who done it area. But thank you. Really great question. I really enjoyed it. So everyone, that was it. Just um, always happy to recap the course, always happy to clear up anything that people didn't understand and ask further questions. And Always happy to talk about myself and next week as we go into more of this and then we go into torture and then we go into into crowds, we go into the brain, we go into all of these areas. Keep these questions coming. I really enjoy them. So thank you. Have a wonderful evening. I don't expect anybody to watch this tonight because it's the Super Bowl. So enjoy your evening. Goodbye, everyone. I'll see you on Thursday.